The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I am so excited for today's guest. We have the one and only Tony P. And I feel like we've got some new listeners in here today, some Peahive listeners, or sorry, Peahive members who might be coming in here and have no idea what this podcast is all about. So I feel like, you know, I got to reintroduce myself here. I am so happy that you're listening. I have been doing this podcast for over six years, which is wild. And we talk about dating. And it started as a podcast where I talked about being very single and dating in New York City specifically and just how difficult it was. I was talking to friends and things like that. Very candid conversations. And it's morphed into so much more conversations with therapists, conversations with celebrities like Tony P, conversations with dating experts and all kinds of people sharing their experience dating. And I've been lucky enough to learn a lot over the years about my own dating life. As I mentioned, when I started this, I was very single and I'm now married with a baby on the way. And that would not have happened had I not learned from every guest that has ever come on this podcast. So that's like a little background info for any new listeners. And before we get into Tony P, what I usually do in the beginning of episodes with guests is just answer a few listener slash follower questions that came in through Instagram and also tell you some anecdotes about what happened this week. Um, I have a really actually exciting anecdote. I was at dinner with a girlfriend last night and I'm not going to lie. Like I am, you know, obviously giving birth soon and it's scary. Like it can be daunting and I feel really lucky because my friend last night totally changed my whole perspective on giving birth. So if you've ever been married or had a wedding or even been a bridesmaid in a friend's wedding who had a wedding planner or like a team of people kind of planning this wedding, you've noticed or you noticed as the bride that when it's that day, when it's your big day, you are the most important person, right? Not even the groom is as important as the bride. And I remember on my wedding day, I was lucky enough to have such an amazing team, Ked and Co., if you are engaged and looking, and they had literal headsets where they would be like, I have the bride, I have the bride. And it made me feel so special. It made me feel like the most special person ever. And my friend last night at dinner was like, that is giving birth. She's like, you will literally feel like you are the most important person in the world. You are a VIP. Everyone's like, I'm with the mom. I have the mama. People are making calls on your behalf. Like, oh yeah, she's doing okay. She's, you know, breathing. She's doing this. And she was like, you know, and this is coming from a friend who had a traumatic C-section. She still maintains that this was the best day of her life. She's like, I felt so fucking cool and popular and important. And Like, I don't know when I'm going to feel like that again. And it was the best day of my life. She's like, I don't even know if I want a second kid, but I would have one just to have the experience of being the mom giving birth that day. 
And I just thought that was so funny and such a great perspective. So I wanted to share that with you in case you might, you know, be thinking about giving birth one day and a little nervous too. Okay. This one is quite interesting. This person wrote in, had a date last Wednesday. He texted me after and said he had a great time. I haven't heard anything since. Question mark. Okay. So this is very important to address. Obviously, I don't know how the conversation went when he texted you that he had a good time, but this is why I think it's so crucial to express the same thing and ask a question back and keep the conversation going. It's really called slow playing, and I have a few episodes on it, but basically the conversation should never end. You should never let it die. And this is very different from sending a thank you text after. No, if he's texting you that he had a nice time, you and you had a nice time, you should say back, like, I had a great time too. What is your, you know, week like? Like, whatever. Just keep that conversation going. So I'd be curious to this person and maybe I'll DM her responding and asking her, but like, how did the conversation end? And did you possibly let it die without even realizing? Okay, this is a funny, interesting, relatable one, especially for this episode. This person who is a woman wrote in and said, can we talk about the male social media behaviors after a long-term relationship breakup? Like there's one of two ways that a man will react post long-term relationship breakup. He will either go completely like incognito. You will not know where he is. He's silent on Instagram and social media. You will not hear a peep or he will all of a sudden be that guy who like posts stories and even thirst traps. There's really no in between here. I feel like, you know, everyone thinks that girls are the obvious ones when it comes to post breakup behavior. Like if a girl posts, you know, a bikini photo, she's showing that she's single. No, no, no. If you see a guy post all of a sudden more often when he was like a lurker before or someone who just rarely used social media, that is them basically screaming to you please give me attention. I'm newly single. I have never done this. Is this working? And it is way more obvious and just what they do post breakup than what women do. And, you know, I think that that's their way of just showing that they're single and it's it's one or the other. And if they're silent, they're probably also trying to say something, you know, like, you know, when you're being silent, that you're being mysterious and you're calling people to wonder about you too. Okay. We're going to end on this one. It's a great one. How to approach the conversation, suggesting that my significant other goes to therapy for grieving the loss of his mom. This is why we need more male influencers like Tony P in the world, because men are not going to opt to go to therapy on their own for the most part, unless they are very evolved men. They're not going to be like, oh, I should go to therapy. You know what I really want to do? I want to go to therapy. That's just not something that 
typically a man will come to on his own, unfortunately. We even have a highlight on We Met at Acme Instagram about how to get your male partner to go to therapy and like kind of trick them into it in a way, right? And it sucks because unless they're like hero, like let's say they're obsessed with Joe Rogan. I know bad example, but and Joe Rogan's like going on and on about how every man needs to go to therapy and therapy changed his changed his life. Or like Travis Kelsey does like, you know, an op-ed about how therapy is the reason that he got Taylor Swift and whatever. Like guys are not going out of their way to be like, oh yeah, you know what? Therapy sounds like it would be great for me. That's just not, it's just not what happens. And so instead of trying to get them to go to therapy and starting this fight where they're like, ah, like, you know, leave me alone or like, I don't want to, or what's the point? Like, I don't need that. Or I have my friends or I have you or whatever. I always say like, try to attract therapy rather than promote it. Meaning you should just rave about your therapist and the breakthroughs that you have with your therapist. And maybe you're even raving about your friend's husband's therapist. Oh my God. So-and-so's husband, Kevin, started seeing a therapist and he is a new guy. He never flips out at her anymore. He realized that he never talked about his parents' divorce with anyone. You know, whatever it is, just attract them to therapy instead of saying like, you really need to go. I really think you should go, blah, blah, blah. Because then you just seem like a nag and you know, I've, I've been there too. I've, I've tried that way too, but it really has to come from the guy on his own. So I hope that was helpful and I'm excited for you to hear Tony P now. If you've been following along on this podcast journey or you follow me on Instagram, you know that fertility was a struggle for my husband and I. And we are very lucky now we are pregnant, but looking back, you know, we wish that we had known more things around it. There's a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And I'm seeing so many friends of mine go through this now. Like we spend our whole lives trying to not get pregnant. And then when you do want to get pregnant, there's just zero understanding and zero resources. But that's why I'm so happy to be partnering with Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions from everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. They're really simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. Their products are innovative, easy to use, and accessible. The brand is amazing. They have so much to offer. If you haven't heard of Frida before, I highly recommend checking them out. And you can find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. It's really baby making simplified. And if you're like, I have no idea where to start, Frida products include ovulation prediction, at-home insemination kits. They're really revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit. Like That is literally a turkey baster, but in a safe and usable way. So check out Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, or select CVS near you. Instead of only being able to look at one gift guide for one specific person, I have a gift that I'm going to tell you about that you can get for anyone. Even your like grouchy 
aunt who is so difficult to get stuff for. I am talking about skylight frames. If you have a hard to gift person in your life, I'm guaranteeing they will love this gift. Skylight is a touchscreen photo frame that you can send photos to straight from your phone and then they appear in seconds. It is so easy to use. I set it up all by myself and I am not that good when it comes to technology, especially technology I've never used before. You can even preload photos before the box is open. So if you're gifting it to that, you know, grouchy aunt and she's like, what is this? She can open it and she'll be like, oh my God, it's photos of me and my, you know, late husband or whatever it is that you load onto there. It's photos of, oh, my niece and nephew. And you're, it's just, it's amazing. Like you do it for grandparents, especially if your grandparents don't know how to use something like this. Again, you're preloading these photos or you can send them in real time. So they show up. It's like this really cute thing. I'm like envisioning this commercial for it as I'm talking about it, where someone's like sitting lonely on the holidays and they turn to look at their skylight frame. And it's like this beautiful, adorable photo that someone in their family sent to cheer them up. And that's really what it is. It looks incredible in your home too. It kind of looks like an iPad and they've got thousands of five-star reviews for a reason. It's been recommended by the Today Show, Forbes, New York Magazine, and more. And as a special limited time offer for our listeners, you can get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash Acme. To get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe slash Acme. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com slash Acme. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with the one and only Tony P. Hi. <laughs> How we doing? Thank you so much for having Good. me. Oh I, my God. Your energy is exactly what I had hoped it was in person. Like you are the real deal. I love it. Thank you. No, I, I try to be. You keep it genuine as possible. This is exactly who I am. <laughs> I love it. And you so kindly congratulated me on my pregnancy and you had told me that you were conceived in vitro, which I think is so cool. I actually yeah. don't know anyone, at least who's had told me yeah, yeah. that they were conceived that way. So I think that's awesome. No, thank you. No, it was, yeah, with my my mother's, you know, the best, of course, I'm an only child. And no, it, it was tough, you know, having me and then trying to have, you know, a sibling that was tough. But then my mother eventually adopted my sister, you know, my cousin very later on in my life, about 15 when that happened. So we ended up having a sibling, which was great. But um, yeah, my mom is the best. And it was a tough pregnancy with me. It was tough. I, I wanted to come out very, very quickly. And mm-hmm. thank God um, for, you know, my mom and her gynecologist team, they actually made sure that I was okay. And I was able to really be, you know, conceived and, you know, able to be healthy and only a few seconds or a few minutes in the NICU, but ended up being okay. And here we are. I love it. <laughs> here we wood. are. <laughs> Knock on wood. And um, I was saying to Courtney, before we started, I'm, I'm sad I didn't wear a matching suit to you today. I feel like that would have been perfect. Maybe I am in a matching suit. You have to watch the YouTube to find out. Um, but backing up a little bit, when is your birthday, actually? So September 8th, 1998. Ah, so I'm, Virgo. Yes, I am a Virgo. Yes. And I know some September people are not Virgos because... Yeah, I'm I, September and not a Virgo. Oh, you're not? Because I, I did a cameo for someone who was late September and I messed it up and said it was a Virgo. I said, you're just like me. Uh-huh. And I got, the review was good, but I got a comment, I'm not a Virgo, by the way. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, that's so I funny. Couldn't... We got we to do a Tony P astrology. Yes. We met at Acme crossover. Absolutely. Learning yes. moment. Yes, that was um, a great teaching moment. 
Totally. But I love that you're born in September. I feel like that makes us, you know, special people. Yes. You're born on the 8th. I'm born on the 28th. Oh, my goodness. Eight is a power number. It is. It, it definitely totally is. is. And, it definitely is. Yeah. And what is your favorite romantic gesture? So my favorite is quality times. So mm -hmm. I remember my my dad always told me this and my mom you know, echoes this, that the thing you can never give back to somebody is time. You can't like time is, you know, you it's it's not infinite, right? That's the best thing you can give a person. So I think for me, when I'm in a relationship, I would like to a, you know, receive a lot of quality time. And I also try to give it too, because that's just such a, a really big currency for me, especially not with just friendships, but also with relationships too. I, I like that quality time where, you know, we can open up with each other, be vulnerable, as well as just kind of have fun. Like whether it be, you know, watching a movie, Netflix on a Saturday night. I don't love going out to bars and clubs a lot. I, I do a little bit kind of you know, in a moderate way. But when it comes to relationships, I love to just kind of hang out, you know, nice Netflix and chill, cook together. Those type of kind of memories I like to create as well. I love that. I love that. And what is your current relationship status? <laughs> it's complicated. Is the uh, my favorite one of my favorite movies is It's Complicated with Meryl <laughs> Streep. So it's kind of funny that this is the case. I'm definitely working through it with the account, how it's grown. My dating life has changed a little bit. I've always been someone who's dated. I've only had a couple relationships in my life that have been more permanent but mostly just dating and trying to figure out, you know, what that path is for me. But I think also I'm working on, as my priest used to say to me, always work on being the right man and not always looking to find the right person. Try to be that right person for, you know, whoever comes along. And mm -hmm. I think that's one thing I'm working on in tandem with still dating and, you know, not using the apps mostly because again, I'm meeting a lot of people in real life, going out and yeah, just trying to find that person, working on it though. We, we, it's kind of a slow process, but mm -hmm. you know what? I'm just trying to take it one step at a time because I used to be so just all focused on the outcome. Always like, can I find someone? I want to meet someone. I want to be married in five years. Now I'm just enjoying every date that I go on, learning about new people right. and just trying to you know keep a positive outlook about it. Mm -hmm. And how old are you now? So I'm 25. So okay. hit the uh, the first golden anniversary, right? Yeah, that's a and, big deal. Um, I'm happy to report there is no quarter life crisis. I don't believe in one. Uh, I don't have nine tattoos. I haven't bought a mm -hmm. uh, Harley Davidson yet either. Knock on wood with that. But yeah, 25 and still kind of managing life a little bit. And as I like to say, I'm kind of stumbling upon the vision I want for my life, trying mm -hmm. to try a bunch of new things and make a lot of mistakes relationship wise and professional, and then just trying to chart the path forward that's going to make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And where were you originally from? Was it DC? No, it was actually so Boston. So I'm actually from the Boston suburbs. I up. hear a little bit now. Yes. I'm trying to hide it No, <laughs> but because the, uh, I'll be dropping my R's if we go forward in the episode here. But yeah, so born and raised on uh, Northern Mass. So basically I could crawl to New Hampshire. I'm about like basically like a mile from the New Hampshire border. Grew up there. After my parents split up, they, we, we stayed pretty close together. My dad lived in my childhood home, and my mother, my mother was like about 10 minutes away. So I was very, very, you know, I stayed in that area. But yeah, you know, about 30 minutes from Boston and, you know, that area, very middle class, working class neighborhood and, you know, very just a, a great crew of people. Like I'm a big diner fan, for example, the local diner, I'd always go hang out there. I worked at the local golf shop where I would help out a lot of like the you know, middle class golfers, you know, we'd hang out together. And I kind of grew up in that. And not only did my parents and my family raise me, but the people of, you know, Methuen and Haverhill, Massachusetts raised me. And that's kind of how I feel too, like a village. So I'm kind of blessed that I was from there. Not kind of, I am blessed that yeah. I was from there. I mean, they must be like loving seeing you grow and watching your success now. They love it. And not just, you know, the friends and family, but the people that I've known for 25 years now just have always been there for me and have seen the account. I've actually gained new Instagram 
followers, people just started accounts just to follow me, not to sound arrogant, but that was pretty cool. That's awesome. That people like the waitresses at the local diner that I've been to for years, they now follow me. And I'm like, really? Like you That's used incredible. to rail against social media. Uh -huh. Now you're on. It's like, well, we got to watch you. It's like, okay. So That's that was, amazing. That was just an honor because those people, they took care of me, whether mm -hmm. it be, you know, the local diner. And then, you know, when I worked at the local golf shop driving range for five years, I mean, I knew those people every day and now they actually like hearing me, hearing me on social media. It's crazy to me. I love it. I love, what, what was your diner order? Oh, it, it was called the Hungry Man. It's still there. I, I'll get it when I get back home in a few weeks to uh, for Thanksgiving. I'll get the uh, two chocolate chip pancakes. I have to have chocolate chip. We'll get those with a lot of butter. I know my doctor's going to really hate me for this. <laughs> and then grab uh, some nice eggs with it. Usually three eggs over easy and a nice uh, well-done bacon. Call it a day. I love it. And then I fall asleep literally in the seat afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> As you should. So is this really your first time in the city? It sure is. That's mind blowing to me. Yes, being from Boston, I really had no excuse. My mother this morning, we were talking and she's like, I, I'm sorry that I never brought you to New York. <laughs> and my dad was, I talked to him a few minutes later. He's like, I should have brought you to New York at some point, for at least a game. And um, they were like, we, you know, we, we, were, we were bad parents for that, but they're <laughs> the best parents in the world, but all in jest. But yeah, I have never been here. I've driven through it because I went to school in Richmond, Virginia. So I drove through here a lot to go down and back. And then DC, of course, I've driven through New York many times but never seen Times Square, never seen World Trade Center, never seen you know Greenwich Village or the West Village or any of these places that I've seen on TV for years. And yeah. it was just so surreal when I landed at LaGuardia, I'm like, I'm really here, uh -huh. this, is really, this is New York. This is <laughs> everything I've thought about for years, we're here. Yeah, That was so cool to me. Yeah, I love that. I finally gave in to the peer pressure, really for my sister <laughs> more than anyone else. And I'm going to do a baby, like a maternity photo shoot, like a real, you know, one with like a black background type of thing. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I, it's expensive as shit, you know, but I probably won't regret it. And I was like, I need to get Glam Squad. Like, there's no way I'm doing this maternity shoot that I don't even really want to do, but I feel like I have to do. And, there's no other way to get ready for it than to use Glam Squad. If you don't know what Glam Squad is, girl or guy, you got to get on this. Glam Squad was founded on the belief that salon quality at home glam services should be accessible to everyone. They built an entire team of beauty pros who come right to your home, office, or your hotel with on demand hair, makeup, and nail services to get you ready for everything. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to put on eyelashes, fake eyelashes on my own. And I look like a crazy caterpillar. But when I do it with Glam Squad, they know exactly what they're doing. Plus this holiday season is packed with so many holiday parties and weddings and all of the things, you know, New Year's is coming up. So you got to book this stuff way in advance so that you can just sit back, relax and feel glamorous. So if you want to try Glam Squad for a limited time, Glam Squad's giving all of my listeners $20 off their next appointment. It's valid whether or not you've booked with them before. Just use code WMAA at checkout. That's WMAA at checkout. Services are available in New York City, Hoboken, Jersey City, Los Angeles, Miami, Washington, D.C., Boston, Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, San Francisco, and seasonally in the Hamptons. Howdy, y'all. It is now December. Have I mentioned that yet? 
Happy December. It is a new month and it is time to get those gifts for the people that you love in your life. Like soon, because it really creeps up on you. Like Christmas is this month. Hanukkah is this month. Whatever it is you celebrate, I bet you it's this month. And if you haven't decided what to get someone and you want to, you know, show that you're stylish and cool, you should really get them cowboy boots. If they're on the person that you are buying something for, gifts list, wish list, whatever it is, give the gift of Tacovas. If you have never heard of Tacovas, my, 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 are you missing out? Because Tacovas has the best cowboy boots in the business. Everyone that works there is just such a gem. And I re- I'll never forget my experience when I was in Austin for the Dear Media live event, Dear Media IRL. I went into Tacovas and I had the best night. They had snacks out. They had these gorgeous boots that I ended up buying and wearing to the Taylor Swift concert. I cannot tell you how many compliments I got on these boots. They're handmade by skilled craftsmen in a time-honored tradition made to stand the test of time. Everybody loves Tacovas. I have the Jamie. And honestly, some of these boots are only there for a limited time. So make sure you run, don't walk to their website and start off gifting season on the right foot at tacovas.com. That's T-O-C-O-V-A-S.com. Don't go gently, y'all. The way that I found out about Tony P, I did a show in DC, a live We Met at Acne podcast show. And you had done a vlog about like a day and part of your day you had attended my show. Right, and right. I got a DM from one of my New York guy friends who's okay. like a finance guy. <laughs> and he was like, oh my God, like Tony P went to your show. And I was like, who is that? And he was like, oh my God, he's a legend. And what's so funny about you have never having been to New York is that you have so many fans in New York. And your fans are very different from my fans because they're mostly guys, which is right. so cool. I mean, right. we, we have to do like some crossover mixer at some point. I'd love to. And then another, and so that's like a finance kind of guy. And then mm. another of my friends, and this is a friend who's like a comedian. He's been on SNL. He's like not financy at all. Wow. Is also a huge fan of yours. No kidding. And wow. he told me to tell you. So shout out to Jake. He actually was on my first ever episode. Oh, come on. We met at Acme. Wow. Yeah, and he's well, a huge fan of yours. Well, hey, Jake, thank you for the support and for connecting me with you because this is so great. Yeah. That is so interesting because I kind of caught, like it's like a coalition of people. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely looking to grow my following, not just to men, but also to women as well. I definitely am looking at working on new content for that and to, you know, create as much of a, again, the vibrant masculinity component, but it's also an inclusive space where I can deliver content to every demographic. That's my goal. But yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting coalition to see, you know, finance people and like the Wall Street types and also kind of, you know, more creative people in the you know, comedic, comedic space or art space or people that, you know, that work in DC and government who like my stuff. It's a really interesting coalition of people from their occupations, as well as the things that, the things they like to do, like their interests. Right. And I just so honored people of all that, those different breaths really like my content. I, I can't believe it. It really is still a shock to me. Well, what inspired you to start your first video on social media? That's a great question. So for years, about five years to go back a little bit, I was a broadcaster. So I did mostly uh, public address announcing and play-by-play from my high school. I was the director of broadcasting and then did some work in college. 
And that was always a thing that I wanted to do. And I never really took the plunge. I never actually, you know, decided to go to a Syracuse and go to their broadcasting school and decided to go with business. And I'm just very happy with that choice. And, but there was still this lingering piece of me that always loved speaking and always loved presenting or narrating. And I wanted just to get that muscle again and just to do it. And whether just, you know, to create videos online or do a YouTube someday, that was the goal of it. And to just couple that, I also saw influencers in DC, like Jessica Hood, for example, and, you know, DC Bestie who's one of my favorite influencers, she's a good friend now too, that would do recommendations about what to do in DC in like a, a week in my life as, you know, as a 24 year old in DC. And for me, I'm kind of a, a unique case. I don't love to go to bars very much or clubs because the fact of the matter is, and it's kind of a dirty secret about me, I don't really drink a lot. And I'm actually battling that concept right now. Should I even drink at all? So I think that and seeing most of the influencers in DC would not post about that. They were like, hey, we went out to this museum and did this event at the art gallery and spent our Saturday nights, you know, Netflix and chilling with my friends. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. What if there was kind of a male perspective as someone who doesn't go out all the time and club and kind of do what, I hate to use the word traditional, but traditional masculine type of weekend, right? right. Getting drunk on the weekends, just hanging out. So that was the two things coming together. And then I started doing it and I started posting. This took a few months, you know, 30 likes. My aunt was liking a lot of my posts at the beginning, right? <laughs> and then as I started doing the week recaps and the weekend recaps, people started to sense that uniqueness that I was trying to put out there is that this is kind of who I am. I don't love to go out and party and get blitzed all night. And people started to sense that. And then this masculinity component came in where I've been working with a dear friend of mine from back home. He was a mentor of mine who's been studying this for years. And he's actually getting his PhD in education, but with this concentration in this masculinity question. And that's when I started to say, I could use this platform potentially to talk about these issues. I don't care how many followers I got, but I think talking about these type of things in a somewhat public forum, that was the next goal. That kind of went into probably June, July of this year. And then all this stuff kind of came together with these different content pillars. And that's when I started to take off, come like July, August. So what was your take or maybe your mentor's take that he shared with you about what is like wrong with masculinity or misconceived mm. about it? Yeah, he was very much of the anti-Andrew Tate, as am I. Mm. And his big- As are we all. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, and the problem is not enough men are. And they, they, they see it. And the problem is you go on YouTube, you go on any site, you type in masculinity, it's usually gonna be Andrew Tate and the, what I call kind of the offspring of Andrew Tate. Like the ones that are, kind of lighter versions that don't come off as threatening, but have the same line of the lineage of content, right? So that was the first thing he told me. Then also he was talking about, you know, what it means to be a man in terms of emotional expression and being someone that, you know, I'm a little bit more expressive, I'm creative type. I kind of have this more warm disposition. Not a lot of men have that. Some men try to keep it stoic. Stoicism is a very big thing with masculinity currently. And he always was against that, like really believing in, having conversations and being vulnerable with other guys, using our friendships to not only have fun and you know joke with one another, but also embrace emotional expression and talk about our vulnerabilities, whether it be relationships or our own personal lives or professional issues. And so that was his big thing. And then also how it manifests itself in young men as we, as we go through high school and get older, those habits kind of creep in is the biggest thing for me. And he knew this about me when I first met him is that I was an, an athlete, but not a good athlete. And for years, 
that's how I judged myself as a man, as a young mm. man. I wanted to be the best athlete. I wanted to be you know, the best with women when I was in you know middle school, high school, and then college. And those things didn't match up with at least athletics, mostly in high school and college. And I always kind of felt bad about that because I wasn't a macho guy. I wasn't a great athlete. I always kind of dabbled. I was a golfer, which ended up kind of being my sport, but I was never great enough to be in college. So I think that those type of things came together and he would counsel me and go, no, your creative side, your broadcasting, you being a student government president in high school and college, and then, you know, having your passion for advocacy, that is your own masculinity mm -hmm. and you get to define it. Right. And that was really an eye-opening thing for me where it's like, there is no label for masculinity. You don't have to be a certain way. And this guy was a Harvard baseball standout, played for the Boston Red Sox, was in the Red Sox front office, coached a bunch of teams. And he was like, it took me years to discover my own masculinity. I had those internal things and I was the macho guy. Right. And then he's like, well, I'm in my thirties now. And now he's in his forties, but he was telling me this back in his thirties. He's like, I was a mess emotionally. And he's like, I'm so glad that you're discovering this now because when you're, when you're married and have children, you won't have to be processing this stuff while you're married and basically dumping all of your trauma on somebody else. That's a great point. So that was huge. But also you do work in finance. Yes, So do somewhat. you think that that is like a typically masculine thing? You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Yeah, so mostly again, so I started off in accounting and then accounting finance and then went into more consulting, which has okay. that finance. Right, right, right. Yeah, finance consulting, you could almost put them together. Mm -hmm. Now, and yes, I think the, the competition side of it, the competitive nature, Luckily, you know, with where I've worked in my first two jobs, there was very much a open, warm, I think a nurturing environment. So I was never exposed to like that cutthroat investment right. banking life that I know a lot of friends who work here in New York, that that is rampant everywhere. It's mm -hmm. very, you know, 13 hour days, a lot of competition, a lot of backstabbing. And you see it, you know, people who work on K Street and politics too, there's the same type of stuff. I've been lucky to not be exposed to that. I've had mentors at both of the companies that I've worked at that have been incredibly vibrantly masculine leaders. I've also, you know, the uh, women that I've worked with who've been my mentors as well, I mean, have just shown me just an, what nurturing looks like, what actually caring about someone in the workplace looks like. Yeah. So I've been blessed in that regard where I haven't seen that or really witnessed it. But I've seen a lot of my friends that have been like, hey, you know, this is how I live every day. I'm always like, you know, trying to, you know, get over on this person or they're trying to get over on me. I'm trying to get the promotion. And it is masculine. Look at what the movie Wall Street, look at the Wolf of Wall Street. A lot of men love that movie. They love the Jordan Belfort story because it's, you know, he conquered the world and, you know, married a really beautiful wife and did all these things at the big house. And there's still that, that type of thing. And this is not just, you know, Wall Street came out in 1987 as a movie. And then, you know, Patrick Bateman and everything came out in the nineties. Like that lineage is still here, right? <laughs> especially in business. And I think that also leads to, I think a leadership issue that we have in business where especially male leaders in particular, not only do they not, are they not able to nurture the people that work under them and actually inspire them, but we have issues in boardrooms where there isn't gender equity, where there isn't, where there's a lot of, you know, speaking over, there's a lot of, you know, rude behavior in corporate America because we still have that same, you know, 20th century, early 20th century mentality. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely, it's, it's a very good point. And I've seen it more per, and on the periphery. I had not been a part of it, luckily. Yeah. Do you think that your dad 
like, do you consider him to be typically masculine or do you think that he is similar to you in how mm. you are? My father and I, yeah, we're, we're, we're different. We're very, very different. I'm more, I'm more into my personality, I'm more of my mother's personality, mm -hmm. but my dad is a great hybrid. Mm -hmm. And my dad, you know, football player in high school, played in college. My dad is someone that like, when you look at a rock solid human being, like he's taught me what it means not only to be a good person. And yes, he has many vibrant masculine traits. Like, things like I call resilience. He is a wonderful listener and none of people know that about him, but he's a wonderful listener and just someone that when I need to get a lot off my chest, he has such a calming presence that not many men have. And what he never does, he never inserts himself. He always says, do you want advice or do you wanna just dump on me? Because I'm willing to do both. And he has that intuition that not many men have, which is really cool. And, you know, in terms of, you know, is he the greatest artist? No, but he's more of an athlete type of guy. And we do a lot of traditionally masculine things together. You know, our relationship bonded over, you know, things like golf. And we took a trip together to Florida and we, you know, he loves antique cars, so do I. And, but my dad has a level of honesty and a level of resilience that is a part of our masculinity. It's not only about being expressive. It's about showing traits like honesty and loyalty to people. I mean, when you're down and out, my dad's always there in a drop of a hat. And mm -hmm. that's where I learned that from him. So I think he definitely has a good amount of traits of vibrant masculinity. And again, not every guy has to have everything, right? And I don't, I'm still working on a lot of the traits and I kind of call like I'm a, I'm a building in New York with the scaffolding on it, still working on it. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, my dad's a big influence and he's been actually, it's interesting. He's been the one that's always said to me, you probably belong in front of a camera, not in business. He goes, you're good at it, but he goes, your personality, you gotta go out and do, you know, talk to people. And he was always the one, go to broadcasting school. I didn't listen to him. And, you know, he's been telling me for years how right he is and he's totally right. But he's been just such a big influence. And then with my mother as well, with the more, she's more of the sensitive in a good way, the more emotionally, I would say vulnerable, someone who's taught me the, you know, the emotional intelligence piece of it. Having those two parents, you know, and again, they've done a wonderful job in their divorce. They taught me what it really means to put their child first and put other things second. And they created a very nurturing environment because they were different, but they had good traits that they gave me at the same time, right? which is awesome. That so, is awesome. Yeah, he's the man. And I, I wish he was here because he's, you know, he's back home right now. But again, he just, he's made a, a lot of impact on me, especially in my later years. When you have divorced parents, it's, it's tough to always like get you know, the most amount of attention with one parent, right? And, but as I got older and we lived together for 16 months when I came home from college, that was one of the most formative experiences of my life where I got to really know my dad on an emotional level and he got to know me on an emotional level in a way that we never did. And we were always close, but we just got even closer. And that's just a beautiful thing. That's awesome. If you're a longtime listener, you know that AG1 is my jam. I am not good at getting in my vegetables. And of course, in an ideal world, I would get in my vegetables and drink my AG1. But when I can't do the vegetable thing, AG1 is my go-to. It is so much better than a multivitamin. Every scoop includes prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes, magnesium, B vitamins, vitamin C, like everything that is on the list of things that you should be getting into your body, especially when you're pregnant, are things that AG1 has in literally one scoop. 
AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, which, wow, that's like 13 years ago, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why they've been a partner for so long. Every morning, it is my routine. It's just what it is. And once something's in your routine and it's good, it sticks. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash Acme. That's drinkag1.com slash Acme. Check it out. So you mentioned your dad being, you know, one of the people who said that you would be amazing in front of a camera, yeah. talking to people. And I totally see that. I mean, it's happening already. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> What would you say, if you have one yet, is kind of like your ultimate goal right now as your account is blowing up, Ooh. this Peahive thing is taking off, which did you come up with that name no. or did your followers? So a really dear friend of mine, and I won't use his name because he told me not, um, went to college together and he w didn't tell me until about a month and a half ago, the Washington Post article writer knew, but I, he came up with it. He built the account because he just is one of the dearest friends I had in college, a true supporter of mine when I ran for office in college and was just always there for me. And then I hadn't talked to him in a while. I felt so bad about this. And then he finally told me, and I'm like, you came up with this? And this is like, how'd you do it? And I realized he's also in the marketing space. Uh -huh. And I said, what a genius. How did you come up with this? And luckily we're gonna be doing some merch coming up soon. And he's been a big part of that. And you know, for me, like, I, I wanna bring him in the fold of what, you know, what this future looks totally. like. He's just an incredible person. And awesome. just, you know, one of my favorite people when mm -hmm. I met in college, one of my first friends I met in college. And he built it. He built the account just to support me. That's, that's his words. Like, I just wanted to support my friend AJ, which I was, I, I was I'm, I'm also AJ to some people. And I couldn't believe it, just like how wonderful that is. So, I mean, I just, I love him to death. And he just has, you know, made this, he's accelerated this in a way that I never would have figured out. Because yeah. I never even knew the concept of having a follower account. That was so... <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a concept you, to that's me. That's you know you made it. I guess. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I just, it was just, it really, when I saw it, it just became like, that was the meme account. And then I started seeing how creative it was, how, I, and I was laughing at myself. Right. And I said, this is brilliant. Uh -huh. And so I'm just so blessed that he's done this. That's amazing. So, okay, so ultimate goal, like, let's say, I mean, I imagine right now you're getting, you know, tons of sponsorship requests, things yep. like this. I saw you got, you know, a hotel room mm. while you're in New York. Yes. I'm sure that's just the minimum. So like, are you ready to go into this kind of full throttle? Yeah, it's funny. This, so first of all, I do love where I currently work. My company is fantastic and they've been so supportive of this. They have been not only supportive, but embracing it. <laughs> and they've given me time to talk about it at work. And, you know, I've also worked with my company to do some videos with them and, and they've just been so great to me. And they've also, they've, Embracing since day one. They knew my quirks, they knew my positives and negatives and firm leadership, all my colleagues and teammates, they embraced me from day one and I love them like family. So that's the first thing. And that's what's so hard about this is I'm trying to figure out, I wanna keep balancing both if I can. But 
you know, is there a path to eventually go into broadcasting? Is there a path to go into maybe doing a podcast? Like my dreams to do a podcast like this. I've watched you for a very long time. Victoria Garrick's also a big, I'm a big fan of hers and what she represents and how she does mostly the body positivity, mental health. Mm -hmm. I see that path right. as well for me potentially doing the masculinity and men's mental health. So like, there's a lot of things in my head that are jumbling around and this trip has been not just a time to go, you know, hang out and have a great time with you and do this podcast, but also as a fact finding mission to go figure out what this industry looks like and what is actually out there. Am I actually that big as I, as, as, as it looks or is it really not a, a fruitful opportunity? I've realized in the last few days that it is a fruitful opportunity and more than likely I will pursue this long-term. I don't know exactly when, but at the least I will use this opportunity to maybe pivot and do things like broadcasting. If I never, let's say the account doesn't work out long-term, maybe I go and leverage this and do broadcasting mm -hmm. and go and do marketing or branding or even do influencer marketing, like kind of go in-house internal, right? That could be a way to go. But definitely I've been wanting to be behind the mic since I stopped doing it in college. And yeah. that might be, it's kind of, my, my dad almost said to me, he said, this is kind of God telling you something. The fact that this thing grew so quickly, he said, this didn't happen in a vacuum. It didn't happen by accident. He goes, there's a reason for this. He goes, your personality is the reason why you, this grew. Maybe it's time to finally take your own advice and, and go do that. But still very tentative, but I do love what I do. And I love the people that I work with. So it's a very, very tough decision. And I know a lot of people who do this, you know, again, I know corporate Natalie is also a big person yeah, that I love. Yeah, she's, she's a friend. She's and I, great. Oh, she is. So she's awesome. I mean, I love her content. And I, I don't know if she's, full-time, but she was part-time for a long time with content. She had a corp, corporate, just like I did, mm -hmm. consulting, very similar background. And she managed it and I, you know, but I, and I saw her manage it so well and I watched her content really early on. So like, I'm thinking like, do I do that for a while and then maybe pivot? It's still a lot of questions that I need, yeah. to, I need to figure out because I haven't had the time to actually think about my right. strategy. And I'm a strategy consultant by mm -hmm. trade. I can tell other companies what to do. I can't tell myself what to do. Yeah. So, that's a really ironic thing. So working yeah. on that. I have a feeling you'll know when it's time to make the transition. Also happy to introduce you to Natalie or Victoria. Oh Thank you. That um, would be, I'd You be should honored. go on Victoria's podcast. She I'd would love honored. to have you, I'm that sure. That would be fantastic. So my buddy actually gave me the number of her husband, Max Brown, who's oh, fantastic. Yeah. So I mean, I, I just, he's also a broadcaster, which is mm -hmm. so ironic. And just he's, him and Victoria just a symbol, what's that, uh, symbolized, there we go the marriage that I think every person should have. They And I remember typing to him, I said, you have what we're all looking for. Aww. And, you know, that's something that, you know, again, I think he's definitely a big example of vibe masculinity just from totally. what I've seen. He's like, totally like, if I could put, if I could distill it, he's the type of guy, an athlete, great college athlete and, you know, football quarterback and has done this. And yeah. is like, you know, is just from what I know, a fantastic husband and supportive husband. So I just think it's so cool. That like, is so cool. Love I, them both. Love I them all. I have right now a vision, I swear. <laughs> I really have me. a vision for you and your future. I think like I the takeoff is going to be crazy. <laughs> I think like we're going to look back and we're going to listen to this and you're going to be like, she was so right. I, I also have this weird niche vision. Ooh. You know how I mentioned my friend who has been on SNL? Yes. I have a vision of you in one of those, like, you know how they do like a song video? Yes. With like yeah. Pete Davidson? Yes. Like, <laughs> I just have this vision. I'm telling you right now, it's coming true at some point. Oh and goodness. I want to come back and get credit for this. Oh, you, um, you will. <laughs> 
But that is amazing. I want to go back to dating a little bit. Of course. What would you say, Tony P, is your dream partner? It's a great one. I think, first of all, someone that is truly independent in a way that they have a passion. They have a vision for their life that is like, hey, I'm passionate about whether it be like, I, I want to do things in the, in the charitable space. I want to do a nonprofit. I want to start my own nonprofit. Or I'm, you know, let's say on Wall Street, I love what I do on Wall Street. Passion is the most attractive thing in my mind. Someone that is not only doing it every day and through their actions, but like when we're on a date talking about it and going, I want to do this. And you can just hear in their voice. I've been on many dates like this where it's, you know, I just love sitting back and listening to a girl talk about her passions and where they came from and who inspired her. And, you know, now what's, what's your dream in five? I always ask this, I would go, what's your dream in five? Like if you could stop in five years and go, what's, what would you view as success? And when they tell me that, it's just so cool. I, I just love having someone that has that passion. And a lot of that is because I grew up around a mother that always had passion, that she was in sales and she loved what she did. And she brought it home with her and she worked very hard, but like she had a passion and that's just so cool. And you know, my grandmother had passion and those are the ladies who raised me. So I was, I was always around that. So that's a big thing for me. Someone who's independent, has a passion that they can share with the world and they have a vision. I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing also is someone that is able to have open conversation and vulnerable conversation consistently. And I'm a big, I'm really against any guy emotionally dumping on his partner. You know, a partner's not a therapist. A therapist is a therapist and a partner's a partner. I think a partner is someone that can have that dialogue back and forth. You've already talked about your trauma with your therapist. You've flushed a lot out. Then you're kind of just looking for someone to kind of bounce stuff off of and have that kind of kinetic energy. So that's a big thing, that type of conversation, someone who can do that in an open space. And I can also feel as a guy that I can let my guard down without a cost. Because in some relationships I've done that and it's turned people off. And I've been like, Man, should, I, should I even like open up at all? So I think that's something is a big one is the ability to open up and be comfortable doing that to, to me and be able, I can listen to them and just sit and be with them, but also someone who can take what I say and be okay with a guy who's emotionally available and someone who is vulnerable. I think the biggest one is someone who's willing to be doted on because I just, I'm, I grew up as, you know, with divorced parents. I never really saw that in my household, but I saw my uncle, for example, who's been, you know, again, his wife, very independent. Both have had their own independent lives, but just so doting, like in a way, like he'll take care of small chores for her without even asking and do the little things like, you know, plan a date and, just absolutely just say to people how much he loves his wife. And like, that's something that I'd like to have and be able to do that for somebody. So someone who's willing to accept that and be okay with that, but also someone who's warm to people, someone who treats the person at the restaurant, the waiter at the restaurant, the same way they would treat the president of the United States. Mm -hmm. Like if, if they have that and someone who's got that humility and that down to earth, warm nature, that's a big one for me. Yeah. Someone who has that type of delivery and someone who just has that impact with people. And that ties to passion. I think if you have that type of passion, whether it be a guy or a girl, you have that warm disposition already. So yeah. that'd be a big one for me. And, you know, for me, just building on a lifelong partnership, my dream in life is to be married as long as my grandparents were married, you know, over 50, 60 years. I know it's kind of, you know, with the way the world's going, it's a little different with our generation. Will that stay the course? Who knows? But yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me in this process is trying to be the right guy. And then eventually the world kind of matches you up, right? And finding that person, I think, is the fear of getting divorced. As I've seen two divorces in my life, one of my parents got divorced twice. 
And seeing that is a lot of fear. And you go like, mm. oh my God, I mean, if, I, if this happens to me, like it'll be my, that'll be the biggest failure in my life. That, that's probably, and that's a statement I'll make on the record that getting divorced and if it's any way, you know, again, it's always two partners, but like getting divorced in general, that'd be the biggest failure. So you think that it was a failure for your parents um, or like just, you know, yeah. because aren't you happy that they got mm. divorced if that was what was best for them? Good question. Yes. I think with my background and what, you know, again, from what I know, it went down with one of the divorces, my parent was not at fault at all, but it just, it ended up being just, you know, they got their heart broken in just a lot of ways. And that was just so difficult to see that. I just think for me and the way that, you know, for me with divorce, I kind of have this viewpoint where it's like, I'm a big believer in that, you know, building out the family and building on a long-term being married 50, 60 years, because as much as I'm a little bit more, I'm very politically liberal and very socially liberal, but I have this kind of like, is it, when, you're at, when you've gone through a lot of divorce, you want the opposite. Yeah. You want, the, you want what all my friends had. Because again, a lot of kids are divorced, have divorced parents. It's almost like 40, 50%. But my circle of friends didn't have that. And the girls that I dated had intact families, big families. All of my aunts and uncles were married. So when you see all that and go, well, that's the norm. And then you see your life and go, in your circle, yeah, you're kind of an outlier. Mm-hmm. And when you see that, and it's it's tough. But I mean, I don't. I view my parents. They they both say all the time they're they're happier divorced than they are together. And but thing is, my parents now get along so well, and like that's what their point is. Like they they go, it's not a failure because we got you. So and I'll never say that about myself. So <laughs> they say it isn't a failure because they got me. And you know they have a relationship now that you know my mother comes over to my dad's house and they invite each other to different events and they're great. But I just think for me, if I get divorced, I think it'll be because I didn't put the right effort in or I, yeah. wasn't, or I wasn't the right guy. So I think it's more of a personal, I'd be a failure. Maybe not anybody else for that nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because for me, fair. like I'm gonna, when I get married, it's 150% every day. And if I don't do that, that's when I'll know. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it, I failed, I wasn't attentive, which is why I'm good now building out my career, trying to try this stuff out now and finding the passion, finding the path, maybe trying to build this so that when I am in my, you know, when I'm married, you know, 30s, 40s, I'm not distant. Right. I'm not so tied up with work. Like you see in every rom-com and every movie where, you know, either it's the wife or the husband or both are so detached because they're, you know, into their work and that's good, but they end up missing out. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be that for my wife or for my children. So that's yeah. the- I think Future children, hope knock on wood, but <laughs> I think that's fair. And I'm curious, you know, if that's if that's what you want, and and you know, yeah. you mentioned how important marriage is to you. When you're dating, do you follow any sort of rules or guidelines? I'm sure you know the oh, rules. Of course, uh, I do. Yes, the rules. Oh um, yes. Do you yep. follow the rules for men? I do. So I mean, first of all, the biggest one being I. I'm not someone who really escalates physically very quickly. I, I believe in boundaries. I believe mm-hmm. in, you know, respect and consent. So I'm the first couple of dates for me, it's about getting to know that person and getting to know what they're like, if it's a service level questions and, you know, what's your, you know, what, what do you love to do? And then I always like in to go in with conversations in this probably end of the first date, second date, start talking about the why with people. Talk about the, what's the why? What's your, what's your purpose, right? And so those first few dates are meant not to get anywhere close to physical, but to be more of a, hey, what's this person like? And do we mesh well together? So I believe in that rule 100%. I do not believe in hookup culture or trying to, in, you know, even if I'm dating casually, 
I still treat it like I'm looking to be with this person long-term. Because I mean, every person I go out with, I always have that view. Like, I let's see if I could be with this person long-term mm -hmm. or they could be with me. Could they put right. up with me, right? So I think that's the the first thing. And I think, you know, going into dating, I always, when I was younger, I always thought about marriage very quickly. And that really hurt me because it also made me very intense. It made me kind of a little bit overwhelming at times in my, just my body language. Now I'm so detached from the outcome. I'm literally just like, okay, it's one step at a time. What do I want to know about this person? And the questions I always ask myself is A, do they like me? B, do I like them? And do, do we see a, a kind of good blend together, a good back and forth? And that's all I focus on now because I know that's what's going to make it long-term. So instead of thinking about the long-term, oh my God, this person I could marry, do they have the traits and do we have the traits together that can lead to that point? So I think that's where I've changed my thought process mm -hmm. and not being so outcome-driven. And that's been very hard to change that line of thinking. Yeah, detaching from the outcome. Oh, especially now talking about it like this, you know? Yeah, of course. But are there any are there any rules or even Tony P's own rules either rules that you've heard on We Met at Acme yeah. that you disagree with or rules that you've come up with maybe on your own Ooh. through dating? So again, I would say at least 90% of the rules I agree with <laughs> because I think it's very healthy. And I'm a big believer in listening to podcasts or content with dating that relates to a woman's perspective. Mm. There are so many dating gurus on Instagram that go, oh, you should, as a guy, you should listen to only men that have been successful. I right. think it's a crock of, you know, poo, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's totally not true. I think actually it's the opposite. I think understanding what a woman goes through in dating is so crucial to understanding how to be a better partner and how to be a better kind of person in the dating world. But I would say the rule that I, the one thing I disagree with is that the whole like after a date, I will always kind of say, hey, thanks for a great night. I'll mm -hmm. say that now. And usually a, my date will say that to me or they'll text me back first. I mean, I think that's, I think that's just more for me of a, of a courtesy thing. I'm not looking for validation right, from it. Right, right. But I do see the point though. Like it's it's mm -hmm. not, I don't, I don't think it's completely wrong. That's the one, I mean, that's the one thing I could find and disagree with. I, totally, I agree, I agree totally. with most of the, most of the things But if you don't about. get a thank you text, will you still text her? Yes. Mm -hmm. Because I have learned that it's okay to show interest. Mm -hmm. And before I've been taught, be mysterious. Don't, you know, don't show interest. And right, it's kind of right. back to masculinity, reserve, right? Mm -hmm. I have been of the belief now that the little things that you do, whether you text, like, hey, great to meet you, wonderful stuff. Talk about a thing that you talked about. And, or for the next day, go, hey, I know you mentioned X, Y, Z, but let's go there next, right? Right. That's the stuff that I use those texts for now mm -hmm. is to kind of also say, hey, here's what we, you know, I really enjoyed our time together. Hey, cool thing you mentioned there. How about this? Right. So that's what I use it for now. But I totally get the viewpoint of like, you know, you don't, Sometimes people send it just to get validation and go, does this person get back to me or do they not get back to me? So that's a big one. Yeah, and it's all about why you're sending it for sure. It is. I, th I think a big rule for me is to not overdo the texting argument, not to use texting as a means of communication for building the relationship. Mm -hmm. Getting to the in-person stage is the most important in my totally opinion. I am agree. so against yeah. you know, having texting back and forth because- it can also be very frustrating for both sides when, oh, you don't get back to someone for a day. Right. Well, I had, you know, things to do. I had, my situation, I had content or work or they had work and family things to do. It's tough to figure out what a person actually means. I remember, you know, so that, I think that's a big one. I mean, I've had many times where I've, you know, thought that they meant something like this. And then I said 
kind of a funny quip and it didn't land. Right. Because I didn't get what the voice was. Totally. Right? I mean, especially if you haven't met in person. Right. Even in person, if you've been on one date, you still don't know that person deep enough to understand what their words are going to be. No, it's true. <laughs> I think texting should only really start consistently after the second date, second mm. or third date. And, you know, if it starts before that, great. And if yep. there's an immediate off the bat understanding of each other via text, amazing. Yeah. But it's it's unrealistic to expect that right off the bat. I actually had a situation. I'm curious what you think. Oh, excuse me. I hope they're not going to kill me for, for bringing <laughs> it up on here. But I have a friend who lives in New York. He was visiting LA okay. and he was supposed to go out with a girl in LA. Got it. And, you know, they had been set up by mutual friends. They hadn't actually met yet. Yeah. And he went over Halloween and he was only there for three nights. And as you know, when you travel and you know people in the city, you have family there, it's really hard to get everything done, right? Yes. <laughs> and so he was like, you know, like he was blocking off tiny little parts of his schedule to make everyone happy. And unfortunately, you know, at the end of the day, after trick-or-treating with his cousins, you know, his oh, little cousins, yeah. there was not really time to take this girl out, unfortunately. Okay. So he had given her a heads up, like, I don't think, you know, tonight's going to work. Like, what's your day like tomorrow? You know, this girl, then the next day, instead of saying like, no problem, we'll make it work. I know you're only here for a few days kind of wrote him off. She wrote him a message that was like, hey, it seems like you're the kind of guy who's not like a consistent communicator, not ready for <laughs> something, you know, serious. So yeah. like have a safe flight home. I wish you all the best. Wow. Do you think that that was warranted? Do you think that, you know, w do you think it's okay to expect so much of someone before you've actually, you know, met? That's a really great question. Especially with that case that I'm going through right now, three days in the city. I think in that particular case, I think it was unwarranted. Mm -hmm. I think because, and again, they also reached out and said, hey, I'm really sorry, I can't do this tonight. Or I would have maybe not critiqued the guy, I would have maybe just like give the heads up a little earlier, give right. the context and right. say, hey, it may be a little bit looser on time. Is mm -hmm. that okay with you? And give like a little bit more of a leeway. Like just to, loosen up the plan in case yes, you have to cancel. Yes. Yeah. And to not kind of get that, get the person, hey, I'm seven o'clock, I'm we're going out. And then to kind of give them, oh, by the way, we can't do it. Because I've been, I've gone through that myself. And I've, so I, I get where she's coming from because I've also been the receiving and I've kind of gone, oh, why, why don't you just kind of let me know a little sooner, right? I would definitely say that is a critique that I, I would give the guy a hundred percent. But again, I, I think you have to give someone at least one, kind of one date to kind of go, wait a minute, okay, is this person in their actions and words the same as they are in their text? And yeah, I mean, I definitely, it's kind of a nuanced answer, but I would definitely, there's, there's critiques on both sides here, because again, I don't think anything is absolute. I think though, definitely more run, run time, more lead time on the actual, hey, I, it's gonna be kind of flexible. I don't know if I could do it. Right. Or have on his end to have like really made sure that, hey, I had this time free. But on her end, I think it definitely, if she has the time to go out, give the guy one chance. I agree. Like One chance. I just don't think that he owed her anything yet. I think, hmm. you know, hmm. when I was dating, before I had met someone, I remember there was one guy I had to reschedule on three times before we, really? we met. And yeah. every time I did it, he was so sweet, so understanding, yep. totally, you know, let me know when works. And I ended up meeting him. I think we ended up dating for like, you know, a few months, nothing crazy, but- yeah. I nice. I just remember that like once I did meet him I was like oh I'm of course I'm not gonna 
ever do that to this guy again. He's great. Right. But before meeting him, I had no attachment to him. I had no idea what he was going to be like, if I was going to like him. And if something, you know, more important came up, if I got, you know, invited to my girlfriend's birthday last minute, of course, I'm going to choose that over this guy. Right. Oh, a hundred percent because you haven't established anything yet. And I think there's a lot of things in the red pill manosphere space that was like, oh, you know, she owes you something because the, op mm. the, the theory that they operate under is that women are behind the scenes doing some kind of evil thing where they're trying to get over on men. That's the underlying current of the red pill movement. And so when you operate from that, even if it's subtle, when you operate from that perspective, you're gonna think everything is wrong with it. Oh, woman cancel on you, there's gotta be a reason why. Yeah, and you're gonna oh, come off nasty thank and you. resentful. Thank you, because you operate with this mantra that you've developed and it's seeped in because you, I mean, the YouTube content, it's five hours of podcasts of just absolutely just dumping on feminism and blaming feminism for men's issues with dating. And believe me, I get it. Men, there's a kind of a mini crisis going on with men and dating and also relationships in general. And, you know, Scott Galloway talks about this and many, right, I would say, right, positive yeah. masculine examples mm -hmm. talk about this and say it as a fact, and it is a fact. But the red pill is like, well, it's all women's fault. It's feminism's fault. You know, women need to, you know, be back in the gender roles. That's the reason why it's, come on. Like, yeah, this that's is, ridiculous. And people go, there's an example. They canceled on me. Yeah. It's like, no, mm -hmm. no. Like, life happens. They don't owe you anything. Correct. And, and, and that's why, going back to me yeah. manifesting your, you know, huge blow up, <laughs> that's why I think, you know, part of why I think your content is going to reach so many people because there is a missing need mm. in our world of content mm. of a man who's in touch with his feelings, who like isn't so far this way or so far that way, mm. but is just like someone yeah. who's just representative of, you know, like, I feel like my husband is a little similar in that, like, he's, you know, he's a hard worker, he's smart, but he's not, like, the guy going to all the games, he doesn't have a fantasy football, like, you know, it's like, <laughs> you don't have to be everything that growing up back in the day, like, you don't have to throw that baseball with your dad and also, like, get A's and also this, it's like, you can choose your lane of, of masculinity, and yes. I feel like that's what you're representing, which is really cool. Thank you. Or be, like, touches of different things. So like, I love, you know, I love golf. I love, I'm a big cigar smoke. I don't drink and I don't drink very much. And it is actually a question that, you know, I, and I've, I've, you know, followed you for a while. I know you're sober and have battled, you know, done that. It was in the Washington Post article. My mother had substance abuse issues mm. and is in recovery and is, you know, over 20 years now is wow. one of my heroes for that reason. It's incredible. But alcoholism in general has surrounded my life. Yeah. And great aunts, I mean, I can, name a lot of people in my family that are in recovery and I've seen it and I've seen what it does. So like alcohol and masculinity are very interlinked sadly right now. Right. It's like, you got to get drunk. I mean, crack you got to take beer a shot, crack a beer, yes. long day at work. Yes. And like mm -hmm. go to the bar and drink a bunch of drinks and how drunk can we get and how, how many people can we hit on? And it's like, it's just exhausting. So I think, yes, I like to smoke cigars. One of my kind of vices, right? But I also like Golden Girls on TV Land, <laughs> like mm -hmm. two things that would never marry, right? right. Um, you know, I love you know watching football. I really, you know, I'm kind of I like being in leadership. I like taking leadership roles, but I also am someone that likes to be in the background as well and kind of mm -hmm. do the background work and let other people have the spotlight. I don't exactly love talking about myself. It's very uncomfortable. Like so, you can do both. And also, you know, with music, I love ACDC. I love Barry Manilow. Like totally. 
you can do both. And that's, that's my mantra. You can do both. And Jim Valvano, the former basketball coach of NC State, he died many years ago, gave the ESPY speech about, the, I think it was over 30 years ago now, where he said, you should laugh and think and cry every day. And he was a basketball coach. One of the right. most masculine things you could, and he was warm and down to earth and passionate and was okay with crying. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we're talking about here. Totally. And nowadays it's like, oh, you're a simp. If you, you know, that guy that you were talking about with, you know, you rescheduled a few times. Oh, what a simp he is. You know, he just should have said, we're done. That's what today's masculine viewpoint is. Right. Oh, just let him go. Oh, and by the way, he was so sweet in response. He was like, I totally understand. You know, if anything changes, let me know. I'd love to see you. Like, that's how you should respond. Thank you. And you don't know how many dating coaches that I've, you know, I followed or whatever. I I finally settled on one that is fantastic and she's great. And, and like, you know, other ones before were like, oh, you got to, you know, just ignore it. Don't even, you know, just send a curt text and call it a day. Don't be warm. But that's not who I am. Mm -mm. And, I don't think you can change your personality no. and try to be a moderated version of yourself or a more mysterious version of yourself to try to win someone over. If they don't like the fact that you're warm to them when they cancel on you, then that person's not right for you. Totally. I mean, like- Wait, who's the dating coach? Uh, so Blaine, Blaine Anderson. Oh yeah, um, she's been I, on the podcast. I know. And I, so I ended up finding her in Instagram, kind of like mm-hmm. how people find me and she's great. And she has a wonderful viewpoint. Again, like she- I think she really straddles the line perfectly. Yeah. How she talks about it. And, you know, again, geared towards men. Mm-hmm. And she has some wonderful pieces of advice, even in her new reels. And I bought her program and the whole, you know, whole nine yards. But she has a great model of like, you know, not being this kind of red pill. There, there are right. female red pill dating yeah, coaches yeah, out yeah. there. Totally. She is the opposite. And mm-hmm. she's like, you know, be honest and open. You know, don't be too much. Don't dump on someone on the first date and go, oh my God, all these things happen in my life. Mm-hmm. But open up a little bit and show different parts. Like she has a great model. And it took me a while to find her and to find, to find a good dating coach and actually give me decent advice. Because, you know, others in particular, mostly men were like, it was just, it was so like this, you got to just be, you know, macho and you got to, you know, be mysterious and make them want to chase you. It's like, that's not how I'm wired. Right. And you can't, you can't change who you, you can't change your wiring in dating. I don't care who you are, but eventually you're going to crack. Mm-hmm. And I've cracked. I can't do it. I can't act this way anymore. I can't, totally. I can't be curt to somebody who canceled on me. Totally. Can't do it. I mean, especially, you know, now that you kind of are living publicly in a lot of ways, yep. like people know that you are this sweetheart. It's like, mm. you can only, you know, <laughs> whatever so much. Right. I have some fun questions that Ooh. definitely came in from the Beehive. Awesome. Um, <laughs> Beautiful. One of them, okay, they're like a little niche. One of them is about your cooking. Okay. So when you cook, yep. you are usually in a suit still. <laughs> why Why not take off the suit, get into some sweatpants? Do you own a pair of sweatpants? I do. It's funny. I was When I was packing this, I'm going to be here, then Fort Lauderdale, then Boston again for the holidays. So I packed a lot. I only had three pairs of sweatpants because I've always loved jeans. Jeans are very comfortable for me. But no, I have I have literally only three pa- pairs of pants and pairs of sweatpants. And one of them is my Subway pair of pants because they sponsor me. So, oh, that's amazing. So that's one thing. And with, with the suit, I it's just, I come home very late from work sometimes and I just want to start cooking. I don't want to wait another 30 minutes to change. And right, kinda, you're hungry. And the later that I eat, and you know, I'm working on my own physical health as well as I've gone through this content and working full time, my health has not been the greatest at times and I eat very late and I'm mm. trying to not eat too late because of blood sugar issues and things yes, like that. Yes, yes, yes. So 
I try to go like, okay, I'm home at 7.30, we gotta cook right now. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. I just go, hey, you know what? Let's just do it. Let's just cook, call it a day. Mm-hmm. And just do it that way. And again, I, I, I grease the pan well enough where I don't get any splatter. So I go, you know what? I'll get away with this, this will be easy. And I think it's kind of unique. I think it's kind of a unique little thing to wear a jacket and tie when you, it shows, I think that I do have this life that kind of goes from one thing to the next. Because right. content for me right now is my residual time. Mm-hmm. So I get to squeeze everything I can into those 30 minutes when I come home and cook. And I'm like, let me just do it, get it done. I take forever to get undressed and get changed. Yeah, I get that. Who would your dream cooking class be taught by? Ooh, what chef? That's a great question. So like dead or alive, like chefs, doesn't he? Either. Ooh. So, you know, my grandmother and I, we used to watch Food Network a lot together. I'm gonna do someone who's alive. We used to watch Barefoot Contessa all oh, the time together. I love her. Her delivery is so fantastic mm-hmm. about like how just gentle her voice is, like how like, it's like ASMR watching yeah, her cook. literally. But she's also just, her recipes are very, very simple, but also have a lot of creativity to it. And you can make them very easily. Mm-hmm. So I just love her whole vibe. I love what she makes and like how it's all all natural and you know really homemade and just the whole backdrop of that. So I would love to go in her studio and cook with her and learn from her and just, she seems just like a wonderful teacher. Yeah. And that's what my grandmother and I used to say together. We, you know, we'd watch Food Network all the way together. We'd watch like Down Home with the Neelys. They're great. They used to be a, a mostly Southern type of cooking. And I love Southern cooking. We would we'd go with them and then we'd do, um, you know, Bobby Flay a little bit, different type of vibe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, big fan of Ina Garden. What is Ina's husband's name again? Oh, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, that's luckiest my, man in the world. He is also a very definition <laughs> yes. of vibrant masculinity yes. before it was even a thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> he is so great. And again, I, I can just, you can tell that it's a real, they have a great connection. Mm-hmm. And he was, I think he was a business school dean and was in business and they both, again, support each other. They yep. have, the, it's, I love what their dynamic is. I great. love it. Okay, this one's funny. Um, Why stay at airport hotels before flights? Ooh, so the reason for that particular one, so again, I stayed at the Hilton in Boston near Logan Airport. Hilton's been great, by the way. I love, you know, they've been great with me. But at the same time, it's just, it, I live an hour from Boston. So I had a 6 a.m. flight that day. So we're maximizing time. Oh here. yeah, it made no sense mm-hmm. for me to stay at home because it would have been just like a horrendous, I'd have to get up at 2.30. Right, right, right. Because Boston traffic is nearly as bad as New York. Yeah, you just, you're trying to get that extra right. sleep. And mm-hmm. like, it's kind of, I've been go, I've been driving by that hotel since I've been two or three years old. I just kind of always wanted to see what it's like inside. Right. And also my parents actually stayed there when the night they got married. They got married on Black Friday, 1996. And they literally went Black Friday. They flew the next day to Aruba. Oh, wow. So like that was the, they stayed there and that was kind of, you know, kind of a cool little family tidbit, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think is different in your content that you have so many supporters versus haters? I love when I see comments on your, <laughs> I'm sure they crack you up. I mean, oh. how could they not? But there's so many guys that are like, I haven't been able to find my wife, like Tony, are you with her this weekend? She said she was going to DC. Oh, goodness. She, like those comments yep. kill me. It is so funny. And Kills me too. I never, you never see someone get hyped up the way that your people hype you up. I, and I have no idea how and why. I mean, it's, I think I could put a picture on, I think people like my delivery, like how I like Ina Garden's delivery and I just love her, her, her cooking, right? I think they just like my delivery and maybe my mannerisms and they just go, wow, this guy has these little things that just are just kind of funny and resonate. And my dad always calls it, you have a, you have a quirky sense of humor that's very endearing. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's something people latch onto. Right. I think also though, the consistency. I've never really, I've never tried to make my content not me. So people, what will happen is they'll come in and they'll start going, this has gotta be satire. Right, right. And I've seen the progression of people that have commented that. And then eventually after a few more reels, they go, man, this guy actually is real. Okay, mm-hmm. then I like it. I get a lot of converts. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's what happens. They go, this guy really is who he is. And, and this reflects, and one of my high school teachers put it to me, put it to me like this. And he was interviewed in the Washington Post. He's like, I thought this kid was a fraud the minute I met him. Like, there's no way this guy can be like this. And I don't think I'm that overly positive. Maybe it's just my aura, but I don't think I'm that overly positive. But they were like, there's no way this guy can be this warm and this positive. And the thing is, that's who I am. So people would know me for a year in class or teach me and go, yeah, he actually is this way. So I think it's the same mentality. Right, right, right. And I, when I have support, people that in my life that support me, they support me very, very deeply. And I support them very deeply because I believe in that quality time. I believe in the, you know, if you support somebody, you support them 100%. And that's been, I think, that kind of lineage of how people have viewed me in real life prior to this is the same progression that you're seeing on social media. And I think... With social media being so polarizing, I think with people like, you know, Victoria Garrick, with people like Corporate Natalie, myself, you know, I'm not in that pantheon yet, but as like, you know, Scott Galloway, like those type of folks, like that's, there's a need for that with Mm -hmm. all the division on social media, with all the hot takes, all about what can I say that's the most outlandish thing today? How many Lamborghinis can I, you know, take a picture behind? Right. People just, no wonder people don't like social media because it's it can become a cacophony of like all these just like, you know, hot takes and fake lives and nothing that's real. And mm-hmm. I think people love that. And then they love that about, about your content and your podcast. Like that's what drew me to this. It's like, it's so real. And the way you talk about things in a granular way, step-by-step step, is so unique in this social media cut slice generation. Yeah. Where we, we it's all like, how can I portray the most perfect life and then how can i make the most hottest take that can polarize as many people as possible to get clicks right that's the way and that's hopefully our goal and my goal is to be a little bit of a disruptive force yeah yeah just be real right i love it all right i'm gonna ask you some rapid fire questions yes this is my favorite part of the show and then uh we'll wrap it up (laughs) this is great okay as you know some are silly is cornbread a thanksgiving food oh going to school in richmond I grew up kind of, not grew up, but I was part of my life. I had a lot of Southern food. I think it's not a Thanksgiving food. I think it's mm. actually an everyday food. I mean, you have it with barbecue. Mm. Nice. Yeah, Richmond, it's more of a barbecue. Bar- barbecue, fantastic. Mm. Your long-term ex is dating the person you told, they told you not to worry about, but they still call you every few months and say they miss you. Should you tell them their partner anonymously or let it go? I would let it go because I don't believe in getting involved in anybody else's business. That's, mm. that's their relationship and you let them be. I would, if I'm the guy in the situation, I would definitely encourage my ex to, to be, honest. Foc- be honest with them and focus on their relationship right. with that person because they deserve that. Yeah, so true. <laughs> so noble. Thank you. <laughs> do you think parents know if one of their kids is cuter than the other or do you think they think they're equally as cute regardless? <sighs> I think I think parents like to please their children and tell them what they want to hear when they're younger. I think there is usually a, you know, a cuter one than the other. I think, you know, they may be like, they may like the other child for a different reason, but 
it's going to be one or the other. Well, because people say it to them. People are like, oh my God, he's so cute. Or, you know, but they're not saying it as much about the other. I never had that battle because I was mostly an only child during those times. And my sister's older than me. So So you were just the cutest. Right. I was the cutest (laughs) and the ugliest. (laughs) Are you generally less tired when you're with a new significant other, like from so much excitement? So like like um, so like harder to sleep at night because you're oh you yeah know. because well because because it's because you're it's someone new it's something mm-hmm. that you're not only is it it's kind of a novelty like everything that's new in life but also it's you know you're learning something new about somebody and you're kind of in that honeymoon phase that's a there's nothing better in this world I think than being in the honeymoon stage. oh yeah I mean, there's not no being better feeling in love in this world. is oh. the best actually like not to quote Kim Kardashian but. <laughs> She literally has gotten her heart broken so many times yes. and she still says there's nothing better in the world than being in love. And she still yep. believes in it. If it's for a day or mm-hmm. if it's for 30 years, there's mm-hmm. nothing better than that feeling and going through life and everything is beautiful. Even the worst thing at your job that you're doing, nope, it's not a problem is I get to go and be in love that same time. Totally. <laughs> when you're planning the first few dates with someone, is it a sign you're not into them if you want one to two weeks between dates? No, because I think, again, back to the, you don't owe a person something. Like, you're just trying to figure things out. And I think mm. as you get it, I think if you, once you get past a few dates. Right, then you should Then, be yes, soon. it has to be yeah. more consistent. But the mm-hmm. first few, I think it's a good chance to get to know somebody. And I think, again, with people's lives, like, you know, being, you know, whether you have multiple jobs or different right. family obligations, you can't just drop everything. Right. You know? Who do you think is more famous, Taylor Swift or the president? Oh, I think Taylor Swift 100%. I think. You know, I think she's more universally famous and also just, you know, I think there's not a lot of divisiveness around Taylor Swift. Yeah. Travis Kelsey thing is a lot of energy with the Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. thing. But I mean, the president's aviators, I mean, that's where I got my morning fits from. So I think those aviators are very, very famous. And uh, very he, he, famous he's, got, he, he's got some good, he's got some good moves. I've mm-hmm. seen it. He's got some good mm-hmm. moves. So he's, he's a little famous. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll give him that. For sure. When reading, do you t- have to take a break at the end of the chapter or can you just bookmark whenever? Ooh, that's a great one. I haven't read in a while. That's kind of telling on myself. I'd say I have to pause at the end because I, because I, I expense a lot of my brain energy, brain energy, and then I'm like, I'm done. I need to be done with this for like a few minutes and go back to, you know, whether it be watching a TV for a little bit or I need that space. But you got to get to the end of the chapter. I do. Oh yeah. yeah. It was yeah. The same, same way how I do how I work. Like I'm a night owl out of necessity mm-hmm. because I can't have a let's say a slide deck. I have to get out to a client the next day. I can't wake up at 5 a.m. and finish it. It's got to be done so I can clear it off my head or it's content. I can't wait to finish my edits. I got to get it all done before I go to bed. And it's it's a weird thing, but- No, I'm the same. It's that Virgo energy. Right. If you're texting someone your age and desired gender one-on-one, do you think that both of you are considering whether it's flirty or not? Oh, yes. (laughs) I think in the early stages of dating, overthinking is an incredibly big part of it. Mm -hmm. Like I always will over- read something or what does she really mean by this or what did and i'll sit and do my own text and go i don't want to sound too flirty uh, it's almost like i'm writing a client email sometimes it's like because i want <laughs> to make sure back. everything's right so i just circle back after <laughs> this meeting that's how i view it it's like it's so overthinking is a major part of dating i love it my last question for you and then i want to quote or piece of advice from tony p yes. but is there anything that stumps you because you are so good at being able to respond to something and have an answer right away is there anything that you would need to be like, hmm, I don't know. People will ask me in my family and per- family friends, are you going to run for office? And I always get stumped by it because I go, I don't know. I go, maybe. And people like, you should go do, you know, you, you did it in college and high school. I'm like, but yeah, that's different. That's a different environment. And 
I, I like to people please as much as I can. That's one thing I'm working on. And I don't know if I could ever do that. I mean, that's hard in politics. You, you're going to have half people not like you. So right. I think that's more than a big, half. More than half. And I think that's a tough one. So I think that's the biggest question that I get stumped on is like, you know, do you want to, but like, you know, yeah, I want to serve people in some way, mm. but is that the angle? I don't mm -hmm. know because so many people in a lot of DC bros in particular, they, they can't wait to tell you how they're going to be president. They can't wait to tell you that. They're like, I'm going to be a senator. I'm going to be president. I'm like, yeah, it's all about, you, you know, it's 46 people have done it, right? It's right. Like, like, that's not how the world is. So like, yeah. I, I'm like, nope, I have no really clue about that. I mean, I, but that's also an existential question. Like, what do I want to do for service? Mm -hmm. That's a big, big question. Yeah. I just don't know. I have no service idea. is important. No idea. All right. Well, can you leave us with a quote or piece of advice? Yes. So I think it's quote and advice. So Dr. Maya Angelou, uh, you know, prolific American figure and world figure said that it's not about what you do or what you said, but it's about how you made the person feel mm. in that moment or consistently. And she said that all the time. It's about how you impact that person, how you make them feel on a daily basis. That's everything that I have to do with my content or in my life. It's not about what I say or do. It's about how am I making that person feel in that moment? Do they feel seen? Do they feel heard? You know, do they feel like someone's there for them? That is so crucial. And Dr. Maya Angelou, she had thousands of quotes like this that were great. And she's one of the prolific American and world leaders out there, in my opinion. But man, she, that was that was mic drop advice. And that should be for every person to always think about how you want to make someone feel and bring them in. Because if they feel good, they will usually come around to what you're saying, but they'll also be willing to have a relationship with you. That's so important in life. Relationships, we need that in this environment, especially this new tech environment where everybody's on their screens. We have to have that feeling. And Dr. Maya Angelou, she had it 100%. I love it. Thank you. Tony P for Prez or for a video on SNL or just for being the best content creator in the game. Oh, Thank you so much. Where can Is everyone it? find you and follow you, support you? Yep. So on Instagram at Tony, so at underscore Tony P in DC because uh, Tony P in DC was taken. That's Instagram. And then same thing on TikTok at Tony P in DC. We'll eventually someday be putting a podcast out there in some long form. So be on the lookout for YouTube and other stuff like that. But right Can't now, wait. Instagram. And uh, TikTok is where we go to find me. <laughs> awesome. You know, like that's such a testament to you that even with an underscore, you're this successful. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Lindsay. I'm so honored that you have me on. Thank you so much for this Thanks, opportunity. Tony it's been P. great to talk to you. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.